Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you again in this morning hour, praying that you will come and touch our hearts, praying that you will work in our hearts and lives, that you will cleanse and purify us from the sins, from the dross of this world that we may have picked up in this week. We pray that you would strengthen us and bless us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would uplift and encourage us. We pray that you would be with those who are suffering at this time. We pray for those in Hawaii that have experienced the loss of loved ones in the fire. We pray for those that are suffering due to a lack of resources in this life. We pray for those who are suffering due to prejudice or due to being looked down upon by others. And we ask that you would strengthen them, that you would provide for their needs for each one. We pray that you would bless us as believers to be able to see the needs of others and to be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus to reach out and to minister to those that are in need. All these things we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to read this morning from a familiar scripture in Luke chapter 24, starting with the 13th verse. This is the account of the two on the road to Emmaus who are walking on the road to Emmaus. This is the day, of course, that Jesus rose from the dead. So Easter Sunday, so to speak. Starting with the 13th verse, Luke chapter 24. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. That's about eight miles. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel, and beside all this, today is the third day which these things were done. Yea, and certain women of our own company also of our company, made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher, 
When they found not his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the woman had said, women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And he drew nigh unto the village, whether they went, as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, that he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that is, I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they believed not yet for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. I'm going to stop with the 49th verse. I've been thinking this week a lot about Brother Day's sermon last week about speaking Jesus. And I want to I want to clarify that Brother Dave went deeper than that of course he talked about how that we need to be like Jesus and yet I've been pondering on this and thinking about, 
You know, it's, it's one thing to speak Jesus, and yet, how do we live Jesus? How do we be like Jesus? How, how, can, we, how can we live out what we say with our words? And so the first question I ask myself is, Do we have the mission of Jesus? If we look, look at Luke 19.10, we see that Jesus said that his mission was to seek and to save the lost. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. If we go to Luke 5, 30 through 32, this is uh, Matthew or Levi's conversion. Matthew, of course, was a, a tax collector or a publican, as they were called, and these people were seen to be very evil by the Jewish people because they collected taxes for the occupying Roman government, and, of course, they weren't always... Uh, they weren't always known to be the most upright people collecting perhaps more taxes than were due, as we can see from Zacchaeus' confession. In Luke, as Jesus sat, to, uh, sat at dinner with Matthew and his publican friends, says, But the scribes and the Pharisees murmured against Jesus' disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans? And sinners. And Jesus answered, answering, said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Again, Jesus' mission to seek and to save the lost, to seek out sinners, to find sinners, and to call them to repentance. And of course, the the mission of Jesus includes the Great Commission, as we read here today in Luke, that it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. In Mark, it's recorded, he said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, to all creation. And Matthew, of course, Go ye therefore and teach, or make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So, not only to seek and to save the lost, but also to teach and disciple, disciple the lost. So this is the commission that Jesus has given us to, to live out. So what does that require? To live out the mission of Jesus, or the Great Commission, I think, number one, it takes communing with Jesus. 
As we saw in our Bible study on Wednesday night, we read about how Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard the word. If we want to commune with Jesus, we have to listen to the word. We have to know his words and search out his words. John 5.39, Jesus encouraged his disciples to seek out the scriptures. Luke 24.45, as we read today here, then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. So, to hear the scriptures and understand the scriptures, to hear Jesus' word and to know it, we need to listen. But communion with God, communion with Jesus, is not just a one-way street. In our Bible class today, it was mentioned that One of the key differences of Christianity is that God sent Jesus to us. It's not just us seeking Jesus, but God sending Jesus to us. The word that we seek is Jesus incarnate. The word that we hear is Jesus still today, is Jesus speaking to us. And Jesus wants us to talk back. Jesus wants us to pray. He gave us this example in Matthew 14, 23, we read, And when he, that is Jesus, had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. Prayer is not just one way. Prayer is a two-way conversation with God. And one of the important parts of prayer is this separation. Separation from the busyness, separation from the multitude, from the calamities of life. In Matthew 6, 6, we read, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So if we want to be rewarded openly, or we want to speak Jesus openly, it's important to have this private time alone with Jesus in prayer. If we look at what prayer is to consist of, and I'm sorry I don't want to, uh, don't want to take away from the... Uh, Luke 11, uh, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, which we plan to, Lord willing, we will plan to have for our next Bible study, midweek Bible study. But if you look at some of the components of the way Jesus told his disciples to pray, we see how he started out with adoration, with worshiping God. We see how Jesus encouraged us to confess our faults, confess our trespasses and sins. And we see how he encouraged us to respond with thanksgiving. If we go to 
First uh, Thessalonians 5:17. Of course, we are enjoined to to always to be in to always be in prayer. And the I'm sorry, First Thessalonians five seventeen. And the verse after verse seventeen says, Pray without ceasing. Verse eighteen that follows that says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So our prayer should also consist of thanksgiving. And finally, of course, God wants to hear our requests. God wants to hear our needs. In the Lord's Prayer, of course, we were told to ask for their daily bread. And we need to come to God. He wants to hear what our needs are today. So communing with Jesus is very important, and today in our, in our scripture reading in Luke 24, of course, we see this, what happened to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They said, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened us to us the scriptures? When we have true communion with the Lord, we will feel our heart burning within us. We will feel this communion. And I'm not going to say that every time that we come to the Lord that perhaps we experience this, but it's important that we feel this burning, burning. we feel this yearning for the Lord, we feel the heart of the Lord, on a regular basis as we come and commune with him. The problem is that a lot of times we are content with stopping there. We love to go to church camp. We love to feel the moving of the Lord. We love to feel that burning within our hearts, that true communion with Jesus. But too often, perhaps, we are willing to go home and remember that, try to remember that and think about that. But perhaps we use that as a salve for our conscience that we can go back to that feeling and we can remember how good it was. But to live for Jesus takes going farther than that. We not only have to feel that burning, that yearning to serve the Lord, but we have to we have to go past that. We need to commit. James one twenty two through twenty five talks about the man who sees himself in a mirror. 
James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So it's easy for us to have spiritual communion, go look at the mirror and say, all is right with the world, and uh, turn around and walk away from it and not be a doer of the word. To commit... We need to count the cost. Luke fourteen twenty six. And if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh cometh against him with twenty thousand. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Matthew Matthew 16, 24. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow, follow me. So it's important to count the cost before we commit. If we felt that burning for Jesus in our hearts, if we felt that communion and if we've responded to it with a commitment, we need to come. In the parable of the marriage supper, Jesus told his servants to go and say, Come, 
for all things are ready. So at this point, perhaps we're ready to act. We are coming. Just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus spoke with them and their hearts burned within them and they recognized it, they came. They turned around. They had traveled eight miles that day. They turned around, and I am guessing that they ran back to Jerusalem. Because there it was that Jesus came and was there, and Jesus was ready to work through their lives. When Jesus went out to preach or to do miracles, we see that he had a very similar attitude, a very similar disposition. If we look at Mark 6:34, it says, "And Jesus, when he came out and saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them." because they were as a sheep not having a, sh a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. So here we see that his teaching came out of a compassion for the people. If we look at the widow of Nain, whose son had died, and the beer was passing by where Jesus was, Luke 7.13 says, And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Weep not. And we know that he raised the son to life again. When a leper came to Jesus begging for healing, It says, and Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. So when we come, we need to have compassion. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells the parable about the servant who owed his master 10,000 talents. It's a lot of money. And the master forgave him. And yet, this servant went out and accosted one of his fellow servants and 
threw him, had him thrown into jail because he owed him only a pittance. And the master called the servant before him and said, Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? When Jesus calls us to come, he wants us to have compassion. He wants us to remember the compassion that he had for us, that he had for us on our journey. When we came to him the first time, the compassion that he has from us day by, for us day by day as we continue to walk in our journey with him. When we understand the mission of Jesus and our mission, and when we commune with him, and we commit to him, and we come to him to serve him with compassion for others. then we truly live Jesus. We truly live the life that he's called us to. And this is a daily call. Perhaps sometimes it will lead to speaking Jesus, to speaking to one person, or perhaps the multitudes. Perhaps it will lead to minor miracles or major miracles. Perhaps it will only lead to uplifting or encouraging someone to walk with Jesus or to strengthen their walk with Jesus. I told you before about my former uh, director who lost her life in, at the World Trade Tower, uh, Towers in, on 9-11. And over 30 years ago, she was an inspiration to me and making me think about you know, how the, my career path and how I might want to end my, my career, my working career, and she said that she wanted to go at the end of her career, get her doctorate, and to teach, and I agreed that that was something that was interesting to me as well. And the last couple years, I've had this burden on my heart that it was time to do that, 
and I felt the burden of this conversation that we had had over 30 years ago burning within me. And I believe that, you know, the Lord encouraged me to do this, and I did go back to school, and a couple weeks ago I was able to complete my degree, and as you know, most of you probably, that I've been teaching for a couple years already. So my former director's husband had created a foundation in her name to minister to the poor in other countries, especially children. Uh, my former director actually was the child of missionaries, and so she had grown up in this environment, and throughout her life she had worked on sending these, these care packages through, to uh, children throughout the world that needed needed help. So I sat down and I wrote a letter a couple weeks ago to the foundation. I said, hey, I had this experience with, with Wendy, with her, uh, where we had, had talked about this, and I just wanted to let you know that I had, uh, I had this burden and I, I went through and I carried through with this, and that she was an inspiration to me. And I got a letter back, and it said, Dear Rod, thank you for your letter. I see that you wrote it on Wendy's 69th birthday. What would have been her 69th birthday? And he went on to give me an update on the family and closed by saying, You know, we still miss her. But we have the promise of God, that, and we believe that one day we will see her again in heaven. You know, when God's spirit is burning within you, maybe he's just asking you to do a little thing, write a letter. Maybe he's just asking you to speak to someone Speak a word of encouragement to someone. Maybe he's asking you to step out in faith. Maybe he's asking a big step from you. Whatever it is, he's asking you because it's important. It's important for carrying out his mission in this world. It's important because he wants to save the lost he wants to minister to those who are suffering in this world, those who need comfort, those who need his presence. And I pray that perhaps this morning, perhaps the Lord put something on your heart or someone on your heart, and that in this week as you commune with him, that his spirit will burn within you and that you will make the commitment to go out to come, to have compassion, and to follow through and to reach out to those that the Lord has put on your heart. May God bless his word.